Denmark, Finland, yep, you bet, as well as Italy, Spain, England, and a whole lot more. From coast to coast here in the U.S. and all the way over to Australia and Southeast Asia. The blues comes in many forms these days, and I love to spin them all right here on the Blues Station every Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 4 on WERU-FM or online at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Nancy Place Homestead and Hostel, promoting harmony with the self, others, and the planet through education, eco-lodging, and the farm stand at 1313 Bald Mountain Road in North Orland. More at thenancyplace.com. And you're listening to WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and all over the place at WERU.org. We are volunteer-powered, we're listener-supported, and we are a voice of many voices. Looking for a chance of showers this afternoon, mainly before 5 p.m., high of 53, low tonight 34, partly cloudy, and tomorrow looks like a high of 41 with mostly sunny and breezy. Stay tuned for Maine Currents. Good morning and welcome to this uh, WERU Main Current Special. I'm your host, Amy Brout. Local journalist Lawrence Reichert is joining us again today to report back from his recent trip to the home of Nordic Aqua Farms. He traveled to Norway and Denmark to learn more about the company that's proposing to build a giant land-based salmon aquaculture facility in Belfast. Welcome back, Lawrence. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, we are having a little bit of trouble with our headphones here, but we're going to uh, make adjustments as we can, and we're going to invite callers to join us later on. But first, Lawrence is going to give us an overview of where he went, why he went, and just the basis, basics of what he found, and then we'll get into the details and take your calls with questions in probably 10, 15 minutes or so. So go ahead. Okay, great. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, I went to Norway for two weeks, and I was one week in Denmark. As many uh, listeners probably know, Nordic Aqua Farms is a Norway a Norwegian company uh, based in uh, the city of Fredrikstad in Norway, uh, where I was for, I think it was six days. I also visited uh, Bergen, uh, Norway, where I met with environmentalists and and journalists and professors uh, to talk about um, aquaculture in general, Norwegian aquaculture, and um, where possible, uh, specifically about um, Nordic Aqua Farms. And then when I was in uh, Fredrikstad, Norway, I I visited uh, Nord the under construction. Uh, uh, industrial fish farm of Nordic Aqua Farms in that city, and I also met there with uh, Nordic CEO Eric Heim, and then I went to uh, Denmark where I met with um, perhaps the world's foremost expert in uh, recirculating aquaculture systems, otherwise known as RAS or RAS, um, and. Uh, and that was very interesting. And then from there, I went and visited um, uh, Nordic's two uh, f 
fish fish facilities in Denmark. Um, one is uh, Maximus, where they make smolt or the the very young small fish, and then they're transferred from there to Nordic's other facility, which is called uh, Sashimi uh, Royal in in Danish. We would call it by the spelling royal in English, and that's where they're brought from smolt up to uh, full size and maturity. So I visited those and uh, had a very interesting meeting with um, uh, actually 14-year-old boy who who worked at the Maximus um, uh, factory in Denmark, and I wrote about that in my last column. So that's that's a, just a brief overview of the trip. All right, and your column is bricks, bricks and mortars in the Republican journals, where that appears. That's yes, and that's also available online at waldo.villagesoup.com. All right, so we'll get into some of the specifics. I want to give the phone number first because just hearing the overview of where Lawrence has been, a lot of you who have questions concerns about the uh, project in Belfast may have some questions for Lawrence so you can give us a call the number straight into the studio is 469-0500 again locally 469-0500 John Greenman standing by he'll put you through and you can ask questions to Lawrence Reichert about his recent trip and what he found there and you can also call toll-free at 1-866-625-9378 again 1-866- 6259378. So how does their or, or do their operations plural over there compare to what they're proposing to build in Belfast? Well, what they're proposing in Belfast is much bigger than uh, the totality of their operations over there. Um, in Frederikstad, Norway, th- which as I said is still under construction, um, they they plan to, when they're finished with construction, they plan to produce something like 5, 000, approximately 5,000 tons of fish per year, um, salmon. And then in Denmark at the Sashimi Royale um, plant, it's also approximately 5,000 tons. That, however, is not salmon. That's kingfish. But uh, So that would make a total of 10,000 tons, um, or that's t- uh, 20 million pounds. But in Belfast, they're talking about uh, between 30 and 33,000 tons. So that's between 60 and 66 million pounds. So it, it's a pro- Belfast is approximately three times the totality of their other operations. Did you get any sense of why they haven't attempted to build something as big as what they're proposing in Belfast in Norway or Denmark? Well, the reason that they give is is they want to be close to U.S. markets. Um, and, you know, they, they tout the environmental reasons uh, for doing that. The that, carbon footprint. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that doesn't take into account that the the carbon footprint of bringing the feed um, to Belfast uh, from forage fish that come largely from Peru and Chile and then soy, which in in the Norwegian um, uh, industry, fish farm industry, 70% of the feed is Brazilian soy. Um, So that's an extensive uh, carbon footprint there, bringing the soy up from Brazil, not to to mention the uh, quite considerable amount of pesticides that are used to produce Brazilian soy. Now, they're saying that they haven't decided on what they're going to use for feed here in Belfast and that they have, like, they're watching the markets change and maybe 
like high protein bugs will become more of a uh, something that's available within the next couple of years at any rate whatever they use they would still have to fall within the guidelines of what they're proposing for their wastewater discharges but they already are using what are they already using in their other facilities well, I don't know specifically what they are feeding um, their fish in in Denmark or Norway. I I just I know that that the industry standard in Norway is about seventy percent soy, which is primarily or exclusively from uh, from uh, Brazil. Uh, they also feed them uh, fish meal that is made in um, from from what's known as forage fish, uh, small fish such as sardines, for example. Um, and and then other grains, I think there's corn in there. Um, there's, there's a variety of ingredients. All right. So you've been, we've talked about this project a few times. This is a, at least the third time that you've been on one of these shows that we've done about the Belfast proposal. Have you always been opposed to this? Did you start out with, like, this is just a bad idea? A lot of people have been accused of having a knee-jerk reaction to the initial proposal. Uh, That's one of the things that you hear in Belfast, which has become very divided about this, is that some people never gave the project a chance. Is that, did you come from a place of, like, just not wanting this because it's a massive development? Or uh, are you, is your mind being changed by what you're finding as you move on through uh, investigating this? No, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of people would actually be surprised to hear this, but initially I was actually in favor of it. I, th- I thought it was great. I thought it sounded like a good idea. I went to the first uh, Nordic Aqua Farms pub- public information meeting back in February in Belfast, and um, and some of the things that were being said there didn't really add up, and uh, that kind of piqued my curiosity, and I went home and and started doing research on it and the more I looked into it uh, the more I found that that you know there were downsides to this and the more research I did the more the more downsides I I uncovered Um, and you know it was pitched at that public information meeting as it has in subsequent public information meetings as you know there being essentially no no downside and and that's simply not true i mean the, this project uh you know if it goes through will pollute the bay it will pollute belfast bay Penobscot Bay, the Gulf of Maine, uh, the entire Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> they're all interconnected. It will use vast amounts of water, uh, 630 million gallons per year, and that's if everything goes well. Um, if there is uh, bacteria or virus or disease outbreak in one or more of their tanks, which is a, a definite possibility, those tanks will have to be emptied and cleaned and then filled up again, um, which means that they will use considerably more water than the 630 uh, million uh, gallons per year in, in, of, of fresh water. Um, in addition to that, uh, they will destroy at least 40 acres of uh, beautiful woods, which amount to somewhere between 13 and 15 uh, tons of carbon sequestration uh, per year will be destroyed. In my opinion, they will destroy uh, the one mile of the Little River Trail. Um, I think that's borne out by the video that Nordic Aqua Farms has on its website. If you look at it, um, the, the their uh, quite large buildings will come very close to the trail. 
Um, and, and meanwhile, the city of Belfast is saying that it is going to protect that trail. So you don't think the tax relief that uh, this is supposed to come to the city and the approximately 60 jobs will outweigh that? Uh, no, in my opinion, no. And, and, and the tax revenue that, that you know, would occur under this project is considerably less than one might think. Um, approximate, I, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is that about it will be cut uh, about in half by the state um, essentially make a long story short. We'll say, well, now you've got all this extra tax revenue. You don't need as much help from us for your schools. Uh, they will also be building, I believe, in a pine tree zone where they will get tax breaks. They're also um, being given various, you know, giveaways from the city of Belfast. It's also interesting. I mean, this hasn't been talked about as much, but, you know, um, Nordic Aquafarms has, you know, relationships with um, organizations like uh, Deloitte and, and others who make it their life's business to help the rich and the very rich um, avoid taxes by parking their money in offshore accounts. There, and Nordic is also registered in um, it, its its business, its American business in Delaware, and there may be tax benefits to them for that. Every indication is that Nordic is going to do everything it can to reduce its tax load as much as possible. Now, they've located their headquarters in Portland instead of Belfast as well. So. That is correct. So, all right. Several stories reporting back from uh, your trip to Norway and Denmark. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, I always believe in uh, leading with with your best stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, w- I would like to talk about my meeting with um, a 14-year-old boy whom I, I, in my column, I referred to as Lars Hansen. That's not his real name. But he worked at the uh, Maximus Fish Factory um, in Denmark, and his job was to clean out tanks. Um, um, and uh, empty empty fish tanks, and uh, actually not just that, also fi- active fish tanks. Um, in the active fish tanks, he was required to um, uh, vacuum up uneaten fish food, and the the suction device that he used was not fully automated, so he had to initiate suction by sucking on uh, some sort of tube, uh, much as one might do to extricate gasoline from from a gas tank. So he he was uh, in in essence, you know, sucking up water, initiating suction in a tank that an active fish tank that had fish feces in it, um, which I certainly found interesting. He he went to management and asked whether that that couldn't be fully automated and was told that it would disturb the fish too much. Um, and then, according to Lars, um, he he was working, he cleaned out the tanks with a DuPont chemical called Vircon S. And, in, in, and I contacted the Danish equivalent of um, the 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 Danish equivalent of the of our OSHA Occupational Safety and Health Administration, and they told me 
that um, workers must wear protective eyewear when dealing with this chemical, um, and Lars did not. And secondly, they told me that 14-year-olds are not allowed to handle this chemical under any circumstances. Uh, so the 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 it's called uh, AT is is the government agency in Denmark. They are initiating an inquiry into this, which may result in a full-blown investigation of possible labor law and child labor. Um, violations. And, you know, it. when I found, when I heard about this from Lars, I, I, I sent off an email to um, a scientist who, I think it was within an hour, sent me uh, DuPont's uh, official government disclosures. And there it was plainly visible that that this is a chemical that is potentially harmful to eyes. And it, it just struck me that that you know uh, the management there would allow um, any worker to work with this chemical without protective eyewear, but especially a 14-year-old uh, child in, in. Is it common for you know, kids that young to be working there? Uh, it is legal. It is legal. It, it is legal. Um, uh, but anyway, it just it, it just struck me that 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 management would allow this to happen. Um, I, I don't think it's it's indi- indicative of, you know, terribly good management, frankly. How did you happen to run across this kid, and did you get a chance to ask the companies about this uh, story specifically? Um, the way I ran ac- across the kid is actually kind of funny. Um, it, it, he was the... Uh, um, uh, nephew of my hostess, my Airbnb hostess, um, and no, I I um, I have not uh, spoken with the company about it. Um, when I interviewed Eric Heim, Nordic CEO Eric, Eric Heim in Norway, um, he told me that I was more than welcome to. Um, uh, contact the the head of Nordic's operations in Denmark. But when I went to the offices of Nordic in Denmark, um, I was told that the that the head of their Danish operations would not speak with me and that I was to leave the premises and that I was not to take any photographs. Troublemaker. <laughs> well, I certainly hope so. Again, if you'd like to uh, ask any questions, we're talking with Lawrence Reichert today on a Main Current special. He has recently returned from a trip to Denmark and Norway looking at Nordic Aquafarms operations in those countries. Uh, Nordic Aquafarms is the company that is proposing to build a uh, pretty big nor- uh, salmon aquaculture facility in Belfast, much bigger than what they have in the countries that Lawrence just visited. If you have any questions or comments, you can give us a call. The number is 469-0500. We're live today taking your calls. Again, 469-0500 or toll-free 1-866-625-9378. Give us a call and uh, let us know what you think or ask any questions. So you met with several other people while you were there. Uh, also, you uh, talked to some environmentalists about the track record. Yes, indeed. Uh, when I, I first landed in Bergen, Norway, on the uh, southwest coast of, of Norway, and there I, I spent um, parts of a couple of days with a man by the name of uh, Kurt Odekalv, who is um, probably the most well-known environmentalist in Norway. And I went with him to visit a fish farm and we spoke we spoke a lot about the the high level of toxins in um, farm fish, especially salmon. Um, and 
and and court court said that approximately 70% of the toxins that are found in farm fish come directly from the feed so that you know it, it is said that on uh, land-based uh, fish farms, they they don't have a problem with lice, and and thus they don't need to use the pesticides that are used to kill lice, and um, and and that may reduce the amount of toxins in the fish. But as I said, Court said that about seventy percent of the toxins found in farm fish come from the feed, so that would still be a problem with land-based fish. Um, so uh, the reason we're making uh, that comparison for people who don't follow aquaculture is that there have been a lot of folks who were opposed to the sea pen style right. aquaculture over the years. Uh, some of them have actually come out in support of the land-based aquaculture, saying it would be a lot safer. You're saying this environmentalist uh, from who is well-known in Norway, in Norway, or in yes. Norway uh, doesn't think that that necessarily completely takes care of the problem. No, it definitely does not completely take care of the problem. I think that it is somewhat better environmentally, um, but there is still a problem with uh, fish escapes. There have been documented fish escapes um, from land-based fish farms in Norway, um, numbering in the hundreds of thousands of fish. Okay, um, and that's one, through the pipes. Yes, one was as recently as this last summer. Oh, I don't know whether that those escapes happen specifically through, well, through the mean? pipes. Um, so, some of those escapes can be can happen during transfer. Okay, let's um, get back to yeah. that. We've got a couple of, sure. of callers waiting. Uh, first, we have Catherine on the line. Yes, hi, Amy. Hey, um, Catherine. I would like to know, in, in regard to fish farms, what is happening with the Bucksport? It seems to be very quiet. It seems to um, have all the same problems ahead. Uh, I understand that that area is very, very depressed, so I can see how they would be, um, you know, uh, pleased with this possibility of jobs. But um, certainly that's the same problem there. Is it the same company? So I'll, I'll listen now. Okay. Uh, we actually have a program on the archives from when they did their public presentation in Bucksport that uh, you can find in main currents under the archives. Okay. And uh, at some point we will uh, potentially uh, do more of a follow-up with that. If anybody is listening who specifically wants to comment on that, that's fine. But Lawrence has uh, been looking more specifically into the uh, situation in Belfast. So yeah, it's all the same thing, really. Okay, thank well, you. Thank you. It's, it's I, I have been looking, yeah, a very little into Bucksport, mostly into Belfast. Yeah, uh, but I do have a couple of comments in, in regard to the call. Okay. And and that is, first of all, it is not the same company. Right. Um, the company in Bucksport is Whole Oceans. Um, the other uh, one major difference between the two is that the, the one in Bucksport will be uh, housed in an existing in industrial infrastructure, the old paper mill, uh, whereas in Belfast, as I uh, said earlier, they plan to um, clear-cut uh, 40 acres, possibly more, and, and construct a, a whole new facility. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of differences between the two, and neither we aren't prepared to really get into that today, so I don't want to change shift gears in that direction um, but we will uh, follow up on that more and like I said there's a program on the archives Lou thank you for your patience welcome to the program hi there can you hear me okay yep thanks uh, the, I don't know much about the one in Bucksport other than uh, 
a good friend of mine who is a pioneer in aquaculture in Maine. He said that the water will become, it'll be surface water there from Silver Lake, uh, primarily for fresh water. And he's a little concerned that uh, he says in a very short amount of time, they'll be dealing with uh, pathogen trouble there. Yeah, I think we probably should just not get into the Bucksport since we're speculating and we're, we don't have anybody with us who can answer questions about that right now. Sure. But do sure. you have a question or comment about the uh, Belfast proposal or about Lawrence's uh, recent trip? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. And I just, I was curious his opinion. I've been following the issue in Belfast pretty closely. And after uh, months of pressuring the city government down in, I was down in the council, city council chambers last night and uh, for most of the time and just couldn't, I, when the councilors were speaking to, um, they were on the verge of voting and I assume Lawrence decided to, uh, to enact the uh, zoning amendments to take the, say yes to the proposals and um, and, and so my question for you, Lawrence, is uh, around do you, do you have any insight into why the city council has been acting as a, I gather it was a 5-0 vote, I can't say for yes, sure, it but was. they feel like a, they've been acting as a monolith. And and the people like myself and, and Lawrence, who've, who've been opponents of the project, have been accused of just being... Uh, uh, you know, just saying no and, and not having an open mind about the project, which is, of course, interesting to hear because it feels as though the city council has been exactly that, although proponents instead of opponents. So my question is, Lawrence, why do you – can you say why? Why do you think city council has been just like a laser uh, to accept this at the risk of lawsuit and all kinds of trouble all right thanks Thanks. for your call lou do you want to speculate on that lawrence yeah i mean obviously all i can do is speculate i think that nordic came into belfast and um you know, you know, uh, pitch something that they said had no downside. It was, uh, it was green. It was sustainable. It wouldn't harm the environment. Uh, would create jobs, good jobs, uh, good paying jobs with good benefits, and would provide tax revenue, considerable tax revenue to the town. They saw nothing but upside, no downside. D- I, I suspect that they did very little, if any, research uh, looking at what might be the possible pitfalls here, and. Um, you know, I mean, it's no secret property taxes in Belfast have been going up steadily in recent years, and no doubt they get a lot of pressure about that. So this looked to them as a way to alleviate that pressure. Um, and so they saw nothing at, uh, but upside. Uh, that's And, and I, th- I think that they're reluctant now to, to say, you know, hey, you know, with all the information and research that's come through since then, I think they may be reluctant to say, you know, maybe I, I was a little too hasty. Uh, maybe maybe I should reconsider this. Well, and also jobs. I mean, it, it would potentially bring 60 jobs, and that's something that the city council has, uh, has been considering. If Back uh, a few programs ago on Maine Currents when we were discussing this, we did actually have one of the Bangor City Council or Belfast City Councilors with us. If you want to listen to that, Mike Curley was with us, and he gave uh, his 
version of, uh, of you know, speaking for himself of what the city council is thinking and what he's thinking as a city councilor. That's on the archives. Uh, after that uh, program with him and also representative of Nordic Aqua Farms, which went quite well and our listeners, our, our callers were all very courteous, both decided that they were no longer going to appear on Main Currents to answer questions. So if you're out there listening and you want to call in, feel free. Uh, we do have another uh, call uh, waiting from Yo. Welcome to the program, Yo. Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. As interesting as the technical details of industrial fish farming may be, the real story here is the dominance of corporate government over the will of the people. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for being Community Radio. Thanks, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I think you're absolutely right that that is a larger issue here. Um, I, I think that I... Let me back up just a second. Um, I project Nordic Aqua Farms revenues in Belfast based on um, 66 million pounds of fish per year and a wholesale price of salmon of $5.50 a pound. That's $330 million a year in annual revenue. That That's an estimate uh, made by me. And that translates in a town of Belfast of 6,700 people. That tra- translates into enormous political power. They would be by far the biggest taxpayer in in Belfast. Um, And I I don't think there's any question but that they would wield uh, considerable power in Belfast. If something should go wrong, if their numbers, uh, the amount of pollution that they're, that that they're exporting into the bay turns out to be considerably higher than what they're saying and we are going solely by their numbers at least so far and if they should end up using considerably more water than they say that they're going to need um, I, I really think it would be difficult to do much of anything about that because of the enormous amount of power that they will wield in our community and I also think that you know Belfast and, and Bucksport may be just the beginning. Uh, we may, towns up and down the main coast may be facing decisions like this in the coming years. Um, Nordic has said they scoured the planet for, um, for a place and ended up in Belfast. Well, you know, I think that this is a, these are decisions that our communities are going to be faced with. Do we want essentially to turn ourselves into company towns? All right. David from Harborside, thank you uh, for your call. Sure. Um, I just got finished reading a book, uh, Swimming in Circles, by Paul Molino, and it's about aquaculture in Maine, the salmon farms that were down east, and also about shrimp farming. And I'm wondering if uh, he's, you've read that book and if you have any comments about what Paul discusses around how you know this <clears throat> corporate farming has really devastated local communities and cr- damage the environment thank you no i i haven't read it um was that your experience as you uh, traveled to norway and denmark i mean what was the impact on the towns there that have these facilities i i didn't get a chance to really look at that that closely but i will say this you know everyone that i spoke with agreed that the um, fish farm industry in in norway which i believe is dominated by salmon 
Um, it does wield enormous political power. It is the second largest industry in um, Norway after uh, gas and petroleum. And, um, and many environmentalists believe that it has essentially uh, corrupted the government and uh, that the government does not monitor the industry nearly as vigorously as it should um, because of this, this corruption of the government on behalf of the industry. Um, the, the government also, as is happening in Belfast, um, you know, is, gives, um, gives things to the industry. Um, uh, the, the Nordic uh, plant in Frederikstad has received millions of dollars from the federal and local government um, uh, for, for its factory there, which I think also undermines the, you know, the idea that Nordic is going to provide a lot of tax income. Um, it, it, while they're supposedly going to provide tax income, they're also receiving um, funds from the state at the same time. All right. Kate from Belfast, welcome to Maine Currents. Thanks. Um, thanks to you both for covering this this issue. Um, it's hard to know where to come into it because for those of us that have been paying attention, you know, this came out of the blue at the end of January and has really um, taken over our lives. <laughs> those of us that have, you know, I started out like Lawrence, like, mm, you know, could be a good thing. And then doing what I felt like all of us should be doing, which is poking at this thing and researching it on our own. My concerns have just grown and grown over time, and there's lots of information available about what's been going on in other places around the world that have been dealing with this industry um, for a long time, um, especially up off the coast of British Columbia, where there's this one woman in particular, Alexandra Morton, who's been looking at the disease pressures on the wild fisheries there, and no one really doing that same kind of work here in Maine um, that I'm aware of anyway, where we've also had the sea pen industry for quite a long time, and the, I'm sure the same kind of um, harm being done to our wild fisheries, not just the Atlantic salmon, but herring and other fisheries. And I know, um, Amy, you made the very good point, which is that some folks think, well, just put it up on land and then all those issues will disappear, but that's just not true, and it's not even... It biologically doesn't make sense that that assumption um, is, is so easily made because they're going to be dumping 7.7 .7 million gallons, we now know, um, of wastewater um, into the bay. And there are still folks challenging those of us that have concerns that, well, that's going to be clean. That's going to be clean water. <laughs> and it just boggles my mind. It's that's 7.7 .7 million gallons is per day. Per day, yeah. yeah. Did I state that um you so, just didn't say it so i wanted oh, to clarify okay, for, for anybody day, who didn't right. know that's, that's just and then the intake um often doesn't include the fact that they're going to be taking more water out of the bay than they're going to be taking from both um the deep wells on the site there and also from the aquifers that provide drinking water for both belfast and northport so just huge quantities of water and huge risks um as far as potentially putting out um, contaminants into the bay, including things that would harm our fisheries that are really needing everything we can throw at them to recover. And I think that our fisheries have already been harmed for however many decades we've had this industry in our waters in Maine, but no one has been exposing that the way Alexander Morton's been doing in British Columbia. So, for instance, there's a, a sort of misnamed disease called 
uh, salmon anemia, which really should be flu, salmon flu, like we've heard of avian flu and swine flu. There's a salmon flu, and that has um, shown up in wild salmon, wild herring, wild bass, I believe. Other fishes are also, but our, but our endangered Atlantic salmon should be of great concern since our state and federal government and nonprofits spend just oodles of money trying to keep them from going extinct. And this industry, I think, has been at greater risk to their recovery than the dams that we really need to be taking off of our waterways and um, overfishing, which often get pointed at first. Um, so anyway, I've said too much. I'll let you guys talk. But I think um, people are being naive if they don't accept that there are just huge risks in accepting this into our community. And our elected officials and our staff people here in Belfast have done us a huge disservice in not requiring more um, in investigative work on the part of you know, our university professors and people that have the kind of credentials that could look more closely at this industry if they were asked to and perhaps provided a little financial incentive to do so. Right. Thank you for your call, Kate. Uh, if you're just joining us, you're listening to a main current special. This is Amy Brown. I'm here with Lawrence Reichert, a journalist who's been covering the uh, salmon aquaculture proposal in Belfast. And recently, we're talking about his recent trip where he uh, went to check out Nordic Aqua Farms facilities in Denmark and Norway. Nordic Aqua Farms being the company that is proposing to build the location in Belfast. You spoke with Eric Heim while you were on your trip, and he said that the uh, fish farm in Denmark had never had a problem with disease. That, oh, yes. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yes. Um, he said that the Maximus plant, and as I said earlier, they have two plants in Denmark. Um, and he said that specifically at the Maximus plant in Denmark, uh, there had been no problem with the disease at that plant. Um, according to the 14-year-old I spoke with who worked there, uh, there was a regular problem with disease there. In the six or seven months that he worked there, beginning in late two. 2017, he said that they lost um, between five and seven complete tanks of, of fish. Um, I think they have 12 tanks, um, and he said they lost between five and seven um, to disease. And he said that on average, they lose one out of every 25 tanks to disease. Uh, so that would make it a 4% uh, loss rate. I also spoke um, with Bent Urup, as I said earlier, one of the world's foremost experts in, um, in the recirculating aquaculture system that Nordic wants to use here in Belfast. And he confirmed that, um, that there had been um, that there had been disease problems at Maximus. He actually uh, started Maximus, sold it, bought it back, and sold it again. So I think it's safe to say he knows quite a bit about uh, about Maximus. I also had a, uh, albeit secondhand, uh, third source on that, um, uh, an executive in the um, in a company that buys and sells fish in Denmark uh, said that Maximus had been completely wiped out by disease on at least two occasions. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting that, that when I called up that executive, he denied all knowledge of that. And I went back to my source for that, and he said that that executive had absolutely said that, um, no question about it. Um, so I, I think... 
I think I, I believe my source, and I think that it is indicative of the culture within this industry, how they protect one another. Okay. Thank you for your patience. Matt from Monhegan, welcome to Maine Currents. Hey, uh, hi. Um, I'm a commercial fisherman in mid-coast Maine, and you have to remember that these aquaculture companies are a corporation, and they're mandated legally to make money for their shareholders. They have to make money, and they'll do whatever it's going to take to make money, whether it's pollution, whether it's automation, whether it's taking, taking taxes <clears throat> and not doing what they said they're going to do. And they're going to do it till it's not profitable, and then they're going to pick up and they're going to walk away. And if you're going to do something like this, there should be a huge bond put up front, a billion dollars to deal with this, that they can have back at the end of their tenure to clean up after themselves. Are you, I mean, you can imagine a, imagine a big spill coming down Penobscot Bay to the herring, to the lobster resource, to the groundfish resource. You know, it could be a tragedy. And they also, you have to remember that the wild fisheries is the only food-producing industry in the United States that these big pharma, these big companies don't have any handle on. They can't control it. But once you start switching it over to aquaculture, you can control it because they build the feed and they build the antibiotics that go into the feed and they're tied into the other other corporations. So it's a very slippery slope and it's a very dangerous thing to progress down. And I am terrifically against it. I think aquaculture works well on small scale oyster farms, cohogs, small shellfish done locally, not this kind of corporate thing. And especially a corporation from another country. Do it somewhere else. You scoured the planet to find a small town that they could come in and conquer and divide and promise them all kinds of things, and that's what they're doing. It's toxic. You've got to stay away from this. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your call, Matt. And some have speculated that Maine is a prime location for companies like this because our water extraction laws are really lax and uh, compare these kinds of uh, facilities to what's happening with Nestle and the Poland Spring water bottling in southern Maine. But I want to touch on something else that Matt said before we take another call. Uh, he touched on the impact on fisheries. One of the other impacts on potential impacts on fisheries that I know you've written about before, Lawrence, is the uh, fish that might go into the feed and how those fish are actually part of the food chain in the areas that they're brought in from and they are used in making feed for this aquaculture uh, fish. Right. They're, they are an extremely important part of the food chain um, in in the environments in which they exist, which um, is principally in Peru and Chile um, and and to a lesser degree in Vietnam. Uh, Nordic mentioned also the North Atlantic, but I don't see much going on there. But what it is, it's the bottom of the food chain. So when you disrupt that, you disrupt the entire food chain. Um, and in Peru, the 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 anchoveto, anchovy harvest, and they also harvest sardines and other small fish for this purpose, but it has been closed down on at least one or two occasions in Peru because of overfishing, and and that is mostly for uh, fish farms, and Norway is the biggest uh, fish farm country in the world. 
All right. Again, if you're just joining us, if you have a question, comment, an opinion either way about this facility, uh, we're here mostly today to talk about Lawrence Reichert's uh, recent trip uh, doing investigative uh, journalism. He went to uh, Norway and uh, and Denmark to check out Nordic Aqua Farms facilities there to contribute to his reporting on the uh, facility that's being proposed for Belfast. So if you have any questions about that, uh, give us a call, 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. David from Brooklyn, go ahead. Hi, uh, thanks for the program, thanks for the coverage, and Lauren, certainly thank you for your investigation. I. I do feel that any program of this nature, which is so full of, uh, uh, I might call it damning evidence again, would be remiss to the listeners if it did not uh, take some time to suggest what we might do. Now, I remember once, Lawrence, hearing you say that if the population of the town and the environment of Belfast spoke out loudly in unison against the farm that you had the word from the, uh, the the CEO, the head CEO there, that he would cancel the plan. Do you still think that's the truth? And do you think that's a, a, a practicable alter, uh, uh, next step for us to take? Okay. Thanks. Well, actually, um, Nordic CEO uh, Eric Heim didn't say that to me. Um, what what he did, he sent various emails to Belfast City Manager Joe Slocum in which he said that we've been making it clear from the very beginning that we did not want to go where we were not wanted by the citizenry. And he indicated, he said, we are getting more and more indications that the opposition may be greater than you're portraying it. And, you know, we've been clear on this point from the beginning. Um, so when I asked uh, Eric Heim about that in Norway a few weeks ago, I think his answer was pretty revealing. I asked him whether Nordic was still committed to not going where it was not wanted by the citizenry, and I and I said, I you know I think the evidence is is considerable, it's solid, and it's growing that that Nordic is not wanted by a majority, and perhaps not wanted by a large majority of citizens in Belfast and Waldo County, and Heim, and and Eric Heim said to me, um, well, people will get a chance to speak in the licensing process, and and in my a column a couple columns back I, I i said well in other words no nordic is is no longer committed to not going where it is not wanted that is how i interpret that remark is that people will have a chance to speak but that that their commitment to not going where they're not wanted is essentially now off the table i think that they they have invested so much in belfast that that commitment has essentially been thrown out the window well and some of the city councilors do insist and and also you see some on facebook uh commenting that there are a lot of people in Belfast who do support this project, who do think that it would bring some tax relief, who do think that uh, it would bring some jobs to the area, who think that the people who oppose it are uh, wealthy retirees who uh, just have a knee-jerk reaction to anything that comes in. We haven't, uh, on any of the shows that we've done in this, had heard from those folks calling in on the show, although they're certainly welcome and everybody is treated fairly here. Uh, we have not heard them either at at least any of the public hearings that I've been to or meetings about this that I've been to in Belfast. I've been to several now. There have been one or two people who have spoken saying we trust the city council. Uh, 
but in terms of information or uh, people just testifying with questions, the vast overwhelming majority of people at all of the ones that I've attended have spoken out in opposition or at least expressed concern and said the, pro- the process should be slowed down until some questions are answered. Yeah, I think that the meetings have followed a, a, a very specific pattern of, I would say, 15 to 20 people get up and speak against it, and zero to maybe one person gets up and speaks for it, essentially, to make a long story short. I, I would also like to point out that um, that also uh, G- City Manager Joe Slocum in Belfast wrote to CEO Eric Heim and said that they had received 143 letters in opposition, and he made no mention of any letters that were in favor, and presumably he would have. Let's take another call. Jim from Belfast, thanks for your patience. Yeah, well, I'm just chiming in here, and I've been at every public hearing and all the information sessions from Nordic except one, and I have actually never seen anything quite as surreal as this in my life where, you know, after all these months of backdoor meetings, the council is moving in lockstep in supporting this one industrial applicant in face of so much public opposition. I was there last night till midnight at the council meeting where they did more shenanigans, um, you know, basically saying, oh, our comprehensive plan is in, 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 you know, it's, it's in agreement with uh, the the 2009 one with uh, this amendment that they want to make. And the planning board voted five to zero saying it wasn't, (laughs) but that, you know, Anyway, the, to me, it, it, it threw me into the race. I'm running as a write-in candidate because of that, you know, for Ward 5 in the city. And and the reason is that I want the public to be able to actually be heard. And it's one thing to listen and, you know, to, to actually let them, the public, come, which was uh, we had to fight for that and have a lawsuit. Finally, they had hearings to kind of skirt a lawsuit. And then after they had the hearings and it was overwhelming and opposed, they just keep marching forward. So that's... Uh, disingenuous to me in some way and i really don't like that because i love belfast and you know we have all our rivers dammed we haven't done any work to really restore our fisheries and we could have million lys coming down and feeding the lower part of the food chain and having a recovery started but we have shellfish closures all over from high nitrogen this thing's like 13 times the belfast city sewer so people probably know that who are listening but you know, anyway, I threw my name in the hat to run uh, as a write-in, which is an uphill battle, and so have others. So Ellie, Ellie Daniels says also, and Joanne Moswell's running. And, you know, we I know those two others, and they're awesome people, but we're not single-issue candidates either. But we really feel strong that the public has got to be involved in these things. And so I really thank Lawrence for his investigative work over in over in, um, in, in um, Denmark and um, Norway. But uh, the only question I have for Nor- for Lawrence, of his, is if he found out any reason why this company that was going to build Nordic went bankrupt recently and also about the industry, the insurance industry. I want to ask him about that, who says it's, this is risky and they have, are having a hard time finding people who want to insure these plants. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. And thanks. And if Lawrence could address those questions, I'd be, thank, I'd be grateful. Thanks, Thanks, Jim. Sure. Just real quickly, because we only have a few minutes. I actually spoke with um, a representative of, I think it's called X, uh, uh, I can't remember, X Catlin or, um, in Bergen, Norway. They are the world's largest insurer of fish farms. And uh, he said, yes, this is a new thing, a new technology, a new industry on land-based, and it is difficult to insure it because they don't know what the risk factors are. Um, and 
I'm I'm trying to think what your other point was. You had another question as well, but let's just let's go to the next call and we'll give your contact information at the end so people can get in touch with you i'm sure you'll be writing more about this too so uh go ahead uh peter from belfast yes good thing um and just in agreement with what previous callers have said i think you know we need to be honest what this whole project is about it's about controlling the food source and and doing it at a corporate level um, you know, this is this is the whole premise that corporations are built on: is to, you know, to uh, to uh, corner a market, to monopolize it, to extract whatever you can in, as far as uh, profit from it, and and move on. And uh, anyone who has studied this uh, this issue, uh, clearly, there is so much evidence that it's a, that it's a fantasy, that it's the you know the way of the future to feed the world. It's all about corporate profits. And, uh, you know, there is considerable opposition. Uh, I, too, was at the city council meeting uh, right till the end last night, past midnight. And, um, you know, it it is sad that our city council is so dedicated to promoting and advocating for this project uh, in spite of enormous opposition. I've been to the other meetings, uh, public information, et cetera. And, you know, it's, it's clear that there is just monumental opposition because it's untried, it's untested, it is risky. Uh, there's very, very paltry benefits for the average citizen of Belfast, uh, you know, save for maybe a little bit of tax relief. But, um, you know, it, there's an opportunity probably to show some of this opposition. We, we got word last night at the city council meeting that um, the Nordic Aquafarms local office in Belfast opposite City Hall is intending to have some type of a grand opening ribbon cutting we heard on october 30th we don't know any more details or time of day but it might be an opportunity for people to show up and express their their welcoming or their opposition to this industry um you know another option of course we have election day coming up and as previous callers have said this might this might require a a regime change and uh you know these candidates uh, you know, Jim Merkel and Joanne Moshwell and Ellie Daniels have stepped up. They are not single-issue candidates, but they have stepped up because they feel that this is the last uh, resort we have if, if uh, this is truly the, the, uh, the will of the people of Belfast to resist this, and we're not getting satisfaction. Um, so anyway, that's just my two cents. And Lawrence, uh, I applaud your work and your research and your, your distribution of, of important information. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Peter. And that's going to be the last call we take, so I'm going to hand it over to Lawrence for any last thoughts that you have and also to let people know what you'll be writing about next because you've got fodder for several more columns, I'm sure, and how they can get in touch and also find your column. Great. Okay, first of all, the name of my column is Bricks and Mortars. It can be found in the Republican Journal every other week, and it can also be found um, online at Waldo dot village soup dot com uh, I would and yes I will be writing more about Nordic um, my next column will be on Nordic um, and I would like to make a couple of points uh, regarding the calls that we just received one one um, other critical I think important uh, barometer of public opinion on this is, and I've written about this in my column is that Jan Dodge who is running for the state house uh, she ha- she knocked on when I spoke to her I think I think it was 1,725 doors, something like that. 
Of those, she said 15% said that Nordic was either an important or very important issue to them. And of those 15%, 80% of them were against um, the Nordic Aquafarms proposal. Um, so I think that, that um, the, the callers are right, that every indication is that there is either majority or large majority of um, opposition to this. Um, one caller raised the question of uh, bonds um, in case something goes wrong. This has been raised a number of times, and no one has, has ever addressed this question. Um, so it would, it would certainly ind indicate that there's not going to be any kind of bond. Um, and one more thing I'd like to say is that, you know, the opposition often gets accused of just being anti-everything, not in my backyard, not putting forth any alternative positive proposals. And I think that's absolutely wrong. I wrote a, an op-ed for the Bangor Daily News that, that outlined an aquaculture system that not only doesn't pollute but actually regenerates and renews the oceans and promotes carbon sequestration. So I would encourage people to go to greenwave.org and check out that system and look for my column in the archives of the Bangor Daily News. Um, this, is, this is a different aquaculture system. It would be locally owned, locally run. The profits would stay in the community. All right. And do you still have an email sign up for people who want to get your column that way? Yes. Um, folks can email me at lreichard at gmail.com, and that's L-R-E-I-C-H-A-R-D at gmail.com. All right. And you'll send out your uh, column as it comes out each time. Yes. Thanks for being with us again today, Lawrence Reichert. Appreciate it, your uh, time. Oh, oh, it's a great pleasure. Thanks for having me. So you've been listening to a Main Current special. I'm Amy Brown. Join me again at our regular time, which is now the first Thursday of each month for independent local news, views, and culture. Uh, the first Thursday of next month happens to fall on the first of next month, November 1st at 10 a.m. We'll also be doing midterms election night coverage here on WERU on November 6th in conjunction with Pacifica Radio. So be sure to tune in for that. That'll start at 7 o'clock on election night. We'll have uh, local coverage as well as national coverage in conjunction with Pacifica Radio. Uh, I'll be here possibly with a special co-host who is not yet confirmed. Uh, yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> and uh, possibly also Meredith DeFrancesco. So, uh, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Melisenda coming up next. Thanks to John Greenman for engineering. You are listening to Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 .9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Thanks for listening. got a couple of minutes before Mel's going to be on the air, so let's take a quick look at the weather while we can. A chance of showers mainly before 5 p.m., partly sunny with a high near 53. Southwest winds 77 to 11 miles an hour with gusts as high as 21 miles an hour. Chance of precipitation is 40%. Tonight, a low of 34. Oh, we're getting down to the really cold times. So tomorrow night is a low of 28, so watch out for that chill factor, which is coming our way. Cover those vegetables, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Thursday breezy with northwest wind 17 to 21, uh, with gusts as high as 39 miles an hour. Mostly clear Thursday night, with the low 28, as I said, 7 to 15 mile an hour winds. Friday mostly sunny with a high near 47. 
uh, light west wind becoming southwest 5 to 10, and then Friday night mostly cloudy with a low of 43. Saturday, chance of showers mostly cloudy with a high near 56. Uh, 8 to 16 mile an hour winds, chance of precipitation is 40%. Most cloudy, mostly cloudy on Saturday night with a low of 38. And Saturday, Sunday night is a low of 29. Definitely in the chilly season. Watch out. Be careful. Get those plants in before they freeze. Listener support and volunteer power are the foundation of community radio. To donate or volunteer at WERU, please call 469-6600 or email at info at WERU.org or pledge online at WERU.org. Thank you. Here at WERU, radio isn't just something that people passively listen to. It's something that our community fully participates in creating. We know that our listeners have things to say, 